The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Hi, and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, a show about all things Port Adelaide Footy Club. As always, I'm your host, Macca19, and joining me in the co-host chair, we got Fishing Rick. Macca, mate, how you mate, going? good buddy. Yourself? Oh, oh, yeah, very excited tonight. Another week goes by. Very good week. Very good week, I think. Oh, I think every week for the last uh, 48 has been pretty bloody good, really, the way we've been going, so yep, why not absolutely. add another one to the list? Why not? And our guest on the podcast this evening was speaking with Don Draper. Boys, how are we all? Good, buddy. Good. That's good. Great to have you back. Thank you. Look, let's uh, get straight into it and talk about uh, one of our new recruits this week, uh, Michael Voss. He's taking over Philip Walsh's job um, as the new midfield manager. Um, He's got experience with the AIS and obviously coached Brisbane as well. How do we think about that one? Love it. Absolutely love it. How good Um, is this? uh, Just huge. I just think... um, if I was a young midfielder at Poirot right now, I'd be so happy. I mean, I know that his coaching career at Brisbane, I mean, it was pretty hit and, and miss, but as a pure midfield coach, he's going to be great. And yeah. all those young boys, I'm particularly noting Ollie Wines, I've been really looking forward to see what, what, what um, Vossi can do there next year. Yep, absolutely. Vossi, the Viper, the Vixen. <laughs> <laughs> the vitriolic man. I couldn't All get anything in there. All the V's. No, he's going to be fantastic, isn't he? It's, uh, I mean, as someone said, don't get him in the list management department, but, I mean, that's not his job. And uh, I notice he's a midfield manager, so I guess he might be overseeing Josh Carr and uh, our ruck coach is Reeves. Is that right? I think so, yep. Yes, so he'd probably be overseeing those two gentlemen, I would imagine, with that title, you'd guess. Yep. Yeah? I think he'll be working on strategy, sort of midfield strategy as well. And look, I think he brings a different skill set to what Walsh had. Obviously, Walsh was such a fantastic tactical coach. Um, I think we'll see that Voss is a fantastic development coach. And I don't think we can really um, take anything from his head coaching career at Brisbane. We've seen over the last sort of four or five years a number of um, outstanding assistant coaches fail um, at taking on the senior job. Um, obviously, Vossi doesn't have any sort of assistant experience yet, um, but I think he's going to make a fantastic assistant coach. And uh, on, a, on a pure um, national profile um, aspect too, it's absolutely fantastic to get such a big name in as an assistant coach. I know um, we, I mean, we get a lot of very positive press now, but I mean. Michael Voss is a very well-respected footballer, and um, even even in the media, he, he was on Fox Footy all all this uh, season. So to have him come in, it's it's just going to be great for us, you know. And um, I really think that, as I Koshi said, we're pretty much going to be everyone's second team, hopefully. So <laughs> hope so. Well, I think we should actually strip it back a little bit and not pat ourselves on the back too much, and and maybe have a little bit of a look at the potential negatives. And one of them, Macca, you thought he might be a good development coach, uh, what you said just there. But I guess one of the criticisms of Michael Voss was the lack of development in the junior players. Why? He 
whilst he was at Brisbane, and that was part of the reason they had a bit of an exodus there uh, at the time of his departure. So, you know, maybe is that one of the things that he's coming to us to maybe learn, to get some new skills from from Port Adelaide to maybe round off his skill set to be a potential coach again in the future? I'm not sure I agree with that too much. I think if you look at especially the midfield, and he's going to be looking after our midfield. If you look at the midfielders at Brisbane, they've got a fantastic midfield, and he turned a lot of careers around. You know, he turned someone like Tom Rockliffe, who was picked in the preseason draft. When he was drafted, he was a slow, fat, unfit, um, small forward. He turned him into an elite midfielder. Same thing with Jack Redden. Look at how well Daniel Rich started his career under Michael Voss as well. Um, you know, guys like Pierce Hanley, um, he's been able to turn his career into a nothing sort of back flanker into a, an, an elite midfielder as well. I think he's done a fantastic job with a number of Brisbane players. Um, yeah, good argument against. I, I'm beaten. I'll give up. I'll roll over. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah, good comment. Nah, there's certainly, there's, there were certainly parts of Brisbane's team which did lack development and obviously um, places like the forward line and, and things like that, they've been really struggling to find some tolls and develop some tolls to help out guys like Jonathan Brown and Daniel Merritt. But um, I think if you look at their smalls, I think they've developed reasonably well. It could have been a lack of structure that he had in place as well. Mm. I mean, he did really jump into that senior position quite quickly and uh, probably with the benefit of hindsight, probably him and Brisbane should have uh, gone down a different path, at least for the first couple of years for his development. So, well, I mean... I'm a big advocate of getting people with experience and, and people learning from experience, you know, and I think Michael uh, being in the system, then out of it temporarily and wanting to come back into it can only be a good thing. And uh, I'm really interested to see what he can do uh, with the midfield group. What I, what I loved about Voss's comments was that um, the, I think, I think he said the willingness to improve was what sold him. So it's great to see that, this group and um, our coaches are taking nothing nothing for granted and we know that we need to get better, you know, so it's fantastic. Yep. For me, it's guys like Andrew Moore and Aaron Young. That's um, who I'm looking forward to seeing under Vossi next year and, and seeing how they develop. Yeah, I mean, I think with um, Moore is, I think next season he's almost had a bit of a, bit of a crossroads for him, you know. I mean, we all rate him pretty highly, but he probably needs to deliver um, a lot more next season than he has this season. So, Vossi yep. will hopefully do uh, wonders for him. Big body as well, so he will know how to um, throw. We can teach him how to how, how to throw that uh, round. All right. Well, let's have done. a uh, <laughs> let's have a quick chat about uh, about trade week. Um, obviously, we've got another big recruit in uh, Patrick Ryder. How good is that? We got our man. Um, it costs us pick seventeen and thirty seven. Um, do you think that was fair, and, and how do you think he's going to help our side next year? I think given the circumstances, 17 should have been enough. We had to give up 37, but he's going to be worth it. He's an absolute star. I mean, I pinch myself that he's going to be lining up for us. Considering how talented I think our group is at the moment, to add a player like that in, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it's huge. I mean, at the start of last, uh, start of this season, if you had said to me that Patrick Ryder would be lining up for Port Adelaide in 2015, I would have absolutely pinched myself and said, no way. Yeah. And I mean, you think about recruiting players um, that fill needs as well as being extremely talented. And this year we probably said, oh, you know, with Redden going down and 
Renouf being our only other ruck option, if we could just get another ruckman in and maybe another tall forward, you know, and we've managed to bring in someone who can fill both those uh, voids and is extremely talented. <laughs> I love Patrick Ryder. He's amazing. His goal against uh, North Melbourne in that uh, elimination final this year, where he just took the grab 45 out and then nonchalantly snapped it through, was incredible. It was huge. Yeah. What do you think, Rick? I think uh, what Don was looking for when we, he was talking about Vossi was probably credibility. And he's another one of those signings that gives the club uh, more credibility if we need it. I mean, the fact that uh, a great player like Paddy Ryder coming from what was supposed to be one of the big big four Victorian clubs and, and wanting to come to little old Adelaide and, and Port Adelaide is, uh, is a great coup for the club. And, I guess what it shows is um, our structure at the club is must be very sound. Our leadership group, obviously, is clearly professional. Um, and for every, everyone in the club to be able to embrace Paddy enough to make him believe that we are the place that he should be playing football is a, is a credit to Port Adelaide Football Club. Now, in relation to uh, team dynamics, uh, look, he's probably the missing link. And if we had him in that uh, Hawthorne game, we probably would have won because we were exposed uh, by being down one tall there for a little while, and uh, and we've been everyone's been banging on about needing another tall player. And how do we play the two ruckmen? Obviously, both of them like to be playing the dominant ruck position, and obviously Loby's got his hands on that, and Ryder would be coming over knowing that's the case. Uh, what's going to happen there? I'd be starting Ryder at centre half forward or in a forward pocket. Um, starting Loby in the ruck and then uh, you know halfway through a quarter swapping Ryder into the ruck and giving Loby a rest on the bench I think that's probably the best way to do it um, we can possibly push uh, Loby up forward and hopefully he can take more than two marks inside 50 next year um, <laughs> but I, I think Ryder coming into the side is going to help Loby hugely I, I think it's a massive recruit and I think it helps Loby a lot because Loby had to shoulder um, pretty much the entire ruck burden the entire year this year um, and he did such a great job at it but he clearly needs support now he's going to get some support hopefully we can see Loby having more of an impact around the ground hopefully yeah what I um, what I uh, loved about Loby's year was that he was so good but he was just a number one ruck and he was working so hard he must have been so tired but he didn't, we didn't really notice it. Like in that Fremantle game, he was that was the final. He was massive. I'm really excited to see how good he's going to be late in games when he's fresh. Like you know, he can have a he can have a chop out every maybe say five ten minutes a, a quarter even. And we got someone who can come in who's an A grade ruckman in Paddy Ryder. So I think it's the, fantastic. The, the other the other player you're probably forgetting about. Well, there's probably a couple of players that are going to benefit. One is. Uh, Jackson probably won't have to go into ruck much at yeah. all, and uh, because obviously, no offence to Jackson, but Wright is uh, an upgraded version of him in the ruck, um, so that allows him to focus on what he does best as uh, being a key defender. And uh, the other two players will be Westoff and also Jay Shields as well, um, and especially Westy. That's going to allow him to probably roam up the ground more freely, play that almost quasi wingman type role, and. Uh, be a real handful for the uh, for the opposition. I think the good thing is that um, Ryder's very experienced at playing at centre-half back, so we can still actually throw Trengove into the ruck and we don't actually lose anything um, like we have done um, in the past. 
which I think is fantastic. I think this is the biggest recruit we've had since Gavin Wanganee. I agree, yeah. Well, that was the positive, Patrick Ryder. Um, now to the negative. Uh, there was another player that nominated Port Adelaide as his destination club. That was Daniel Gorringe. Unfortunately, a deal didn't get done. Not only did a deal not get done, um, his old man had a big whinge on the, uh, or a bit of a meltdown on the Port Adelaide Facebook site on uh, on Thursday afternoon. Um, the post got deleted um, after a couple of hours. Um, and then Daniel goes and has a big whinge to the media as well the next day, um, saying that he got lied to, he's angry, he's embarrassed, he's never going to deal with Port Adelaide ever again. Talk about burning your bridges, eh? I mean, <laughs> Not wrong. God, and not only with Port Adelaide, but... Is he for real? Well, I could not. When his dad posted that and I saw those comments, I thought, look, it's it's unfortunate. His dad's obviously just an emotional guy and he's said this and poor Daniel must be sitting at home thinking, oh, God, Dad, you know, shut up. And then for him to come out and almost say the same thing, not even in the heat of the moment after, after the time had, had passed, I mean, I feel sorry for him in the sense that he obviously wanted to get, get to Port Adelaide and I believe that we would have tried to get him here, but Absolutely. unfortunately, it's the AFL. It's a it's a cutthroat business, and you know, as the Rolling Stones are coming to town, you can't always get what you want. Yeah, he just sounds like an immature guy that's uh, doesn't know how to play the game properly when you don't get your own way. Probably, I sort of suffered the same sort of thing when I was a late teenager, early twenties, and probably a bit of a shame that, from my perspective, he didn't have more guidance from his family, uh, which obviously doesn't sound like that great an influence from the comments that the dad made, but, uh, and also as player manager. I mean, and he's also forgotten, you guys might have already brought this up, that uh, he could have come to us last year but decided to sign a new contract. So, you know, on one hand, he was indecisive on what he wanted to do last year, and this year we tried to get him here. We, we From what I've read, we made an indication we'd try our hardest, and obviously... Paddy Ryder was our focus, and understandably so, and uh, it didn't work out. So, And I think paying even pick 37 might have been paying pick o- uh, overs for him anyway. So uh, I'm not too disappointed, and I guess uh, we move on and there'll be another young potential Rutman if we need one next year that we'll be able to get anyway. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's been lots of rumours about his personality and um, that he's struggled to make relationships up at the Gold Coast. And look, I, I think with this situation here, you can understand why. <laughs> I think I, I think mm. he's done himself no favours at all here. Um, I think there's no doubt that Port Adelaide will, uh, will say, yeah, sorry, mate, <laughs> you can find a different club to play for. And if he can find an, another club to play for next year, then then good luck, I think. I think he's, um, he's burned his bridges um, all across the AFL with that sort of attitude. There's no one that's going to want that sort, of, uh, that sort of player at their club, I don't think. The way our Crosstown rival's going, maybe what we do is we say, yeah, we're really keen next year. So they jump on him instead and sort of he mixes up their playing group a little bit more. Yep. Maybe that's the strategy we should take for next year. I like it. I like it. Well, look, let's talk. have a quick chat about some of the other trades. It was quite an interesting trade week in the end. A couple of huge moves. Um, I guess the first one to talk about is the, is the Western Bulldogs and Greater Western Sydney trade, which saw uh, Tom Boyd go to the Dogs for a huge contract, a, a rumoured $7 million over seven-year contract uh, for a first-year player that's played only nine games is, is a bit ridiculous. And obviously, Greater Western Sydney have, have got uh, the Dogs' captain in Ryan Griffin and also pick six. 
Uh, this is one of the biggest trades done in years. I'm starting to think of a bigger one, really. I mean, for the Bulldogs to lose Griffin, when he came out and announced he where he was going, I was stunned. And for, I mean, all the hype that Tom Boyd last year, and he lasted, and he lasted one season at GWS, now he's going to um, the Bulldogs, who, I mean, fair play to them. They've been needing a key forward for so long. <laughs> for decades. And for decades. <laughs> and here and they finally get someone. One, and they've got one, and... I hope for their sake he's the pot of gold that they've been uh, searching for. But, um, I mean, a lot's been made about Tom Boyd. I, I, I think the money is a bit much for a, for his age and his output in the, in the AFL, but his potential is is phenomenal. You know, he could, he could, he mm. could be anything. I mean, You're it'll be very interesting to see how he goes next year. Yeah. Yeah. But they're, um, they, I mean, they're first and second year players are extremely talented, I think. Um, I think they probably need a couple of defenders, but um, the future isn't looking that bad at the Bulldogs. It would have been great for them if they were able to keep pick six. I think yep. for the young developing side, it's a huge risk to to trade pick six. I know Boyd was obviously a pretty big uh, draw card, but when you, when you lose Griffin as well, when you don't have a coach, it's an uh, interesting one. I think when you've picked McRae and Stringer and Bontempelli um, over the last two years, I think you can afford to trade away um, a first-round pick when it lands you um, someone that's rated as you know yeah. a generational key forward. And look, fingers crossed he stays fit and, and it works out for them. Um, yeah, one of the biggest trades done in years. What do you think, Rick? I don't mind it. I think, you know, I'd bang on about... Uh, the need for key forwards and they're hard to get and it is speculative based on form and it is a, a potential deal and uh, I mean and it is obviously going to be associated with risks one of the risks I think or the biggest risk will be how is a second year player going to be handling um, the pressure of a seven million dollar or a million dollar a year contract basically um, how's, and how's he going to keep his motivation? Um, you know, because he's not going to have to really... He doesn't have to work hard for the money, so to speak. He's just got given a seven-year contract of a million bucks a year. Thank you very much. It'd be easy to sort of uh, just sort of coast a little bit, you know. So yep. for his sake and the Bulldogs' sake, I'm hoping he's a very uh, performance-driven person uh, because his manager, managers, Liam Pickering, has done a fantastic job in... Uh, brokering that deal and look in relation to Griffin I think Griffin had to go um, after what happened and uh, you know and it's a, probably a good get for GWS they need more experience and they you know Griffin's obviously not Ablett but he's got that senior experience and he's a fantastic player so he'll pro- provide some good influence for the midfield group at GWS so you know and it's good to see some Big deals, you know, they're, they're good to good to see. But at the same time, you know, we had one of our local journalists in Rucci um, talking about, you know, what is a contract all week, and where where are we going as a league? You know, is it becoming a bit EPList, and are we going to have more players uh, dictating where they want to go during a contract? I think the whole um, comparison made to other world sports is a bit. Silly though, because um, like in the Premier, in the in the English Premier League, for example, there's no salary cap. So I mean, at least in Australia, everyone's on an even playing field. Whereas in other sports around the world, that's not the case. 
Yeah. Um, and if you think about, if you're going to use that example, well, surely Collingwood are the richest and most powerful club in Australia. And I mean, they, they just lost Dane Beams. Well, that's right. And I also think that players have been dictating where they want to go for years anyway. I mean, it's been happening yeah. for decades. You know, you, you, you think back to, uh, obviously Nick Stevens trying to get to Collingwood and Sean Burgoyne nominating Hawthorne. I mean, it's happened for, it's happened forever. Um, I think people are sort of overrating the impact that free agency has had. You've what? got one massive example there, Macca. What's that? Ben Jacobs nominating North Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the biggest uh, non-trade done in years, I think, that one. Absolutely. That was that was the, the <laughs> trade that stopped a, a um, country there. The so, trade that stopped a nation. That's yeah. it. <laughs> Look, I, I think it's all right. I don't mind it. Um, it's been <laughs> happening for years. Um, I think people are overrating the impact the free agency has had. Um, and look, I think if you, you know, if you've got the choice of losing someone for nothing and getting what could be a, a very underwhelming compensation pick via free agency, or you get to trade them for whatever you like the year before, I think having the ability to trade them for whatever you like is uh, is the way to go. Oh, definitely, yeah. And of course, there are some other big trades as well. Obviously, um, between Brisbane and Collingwood, uh, Brisbane receiving Dane Beams, a huge pick up there, and also Alan Christensen from Geelong. Um, and Collingwood have, uh, have received Levi Greenwood, Jack Crisp, and Travis Varco as well. So both of them adding uh, quite a lot to their sides, I think. Absolutely. I think um, Brisbane's midfield on paper now looks pretty good. <laughs> I mean... I think that they are still short in other areas, but that midfield is absolutely fantastic. You think of yep. Rockliffe, Redden, Rich, Beams. I mean, Beams is an absolute... I, re- I mean, obviously, he's, he's very well-rated. He's an absolute star, yeah. And he's probably hitting absolute prime of his career too, so... It is a big loss for Collingwood losing Dane Beams, but they've <laughs> they've gained Levi Greenwood, who I think is a admirable uh, replacement. They've also got Travis Farco who can play the game and a youngster in Jack Crisp. And they've also managed to get two uh, picks in the top 10 as well. Yeah, but they've, they've, they've done well. I think Varco is a, a bit of a um, sleeper there. I think, I think he's going to have a great year for them. Yeah. I was a bit underwhelmed with Varco this year. Yeah, he didn't have a good year, but yeah. No. Nah. He just looked a little bit flaky this year. He seemed to make a lot more errors than what I've ever noticed from him in the past. But... Um... Yeah, I'm with you guys. I thought Collingwood did pretty well. Yep. Also, Geelong, they've picked up Mitch Clark. Hopefully, he's over his uh, his issues there. And also, a bit of a strange one. They gave up pick 21 for um, Reece Stanley, which was a, a bit of an odd move. Bit of an odd move. I think um, uh, Geelong thinking that the game's going to be a lot slower by trading Varco and Christensen and bringing in Clark and Stanley. <laughs> it's possible. Just <laughs> they've they've got a lot of tall depth all they have a lot of tall depth, yeah. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting how they go next year because, um, I mean, I think I think Stanley isn't that bad a player. I probably wouldn't have given up pick, pick 21 for him, but obviously um, St. Kilda were, were happy to do that given the development path that they're going down. So yep. I think that's a bit of a win-win for, for both. That's right. Also, North Melbourne, um, through free agency, have picked up a, a couple of uh, recognisable names in Jared Waite and uh, Sean Higgins. Obviously, trying to top up for a bit of a flag run. They must think yeah. they're very, very close. They must yep. think they're next year the to two years. Yeah. Yep. I mean, Drew Petrie and Jared Wade are both 32, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, um, 
If they're going to push gonna for a grand him... final, it's got to be this year or next year. Sorry. We're calling them Dad's Army. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, the more I think about it, I think they've lost, really. I mean, Higgins is really uh, just uh, injury-prone, and so you don't know what you're going to get out of him. Jared Waite's pretty unreliable, and I guess Petri on the end of his career has sort of become a bit more unreliable as well. And then they've given up Levi Greenwood, who was becoming a very consistent player for them. Greenwood mm-hmm. trade was almost um, their own un- undoing, really, because I think they just they offered him a, a one-year deal, and they just couldn't match with um, uh, Collingwood. So because obviously they've brought in Big and White and Higgins, so yep. I don't think they really wanted to get rid of Greenwood. No, no, obviously not. He finished second in their best and fairest. You don't want exactly, to get rid of yeah. those sort of players, but yeah, I think they've uh, sort of robbed Peter to pay Paul a little bit yep. um, with yeah, their yep. free agency. Um, picks and I guess you know hopefully for them it comes off but um, there's a big big chance that uh, that it won't I think and the two West Australian clubs obviously didn't bother um, turning up bit of a long flight I don't think Fremantle or West Coast did anything in, in I think they just stayed down west <laughs> yeah <laughs> alright well let's get on to week three of our player reviews uh, we're going to start with Campbell Heath uh, 23 years old, he played uh, 14 games of AFL footy for Port Adelaide, got delisted at the end of the year, he just played the nine games in the SANFL this year. Um, he had a bit of a shin issue to start the season, um, missed a lot of footy at the start, and then obviously he had a, a, a knee reconstruction mid-year, um, chose to do the last surgery, came back for finals, but really struggled for form in those last couple of weeks there. Campbell Heath, when he um, first played for us, I absolutely loved him. I thought he was such a great defender. I thought he was really competitive, did his job well. Unfortunately, I think just injuries ruined him, really. Yep. I mean, it's, yeah, I think he was just one of those guys. I mean, I don't know what you guys thought. Maybe it was just a personal thing for me, but I really, really liked him. Now, you know, I was a huge fan of Campbell Heath as well. I thought he looked yep. like an absolute star. Um, at the start of uh, 2013, when he, he came into the side from Sydney and, and just really shone um, in that sort of back pocket, that third toll role. Um, but as you said, I mean, injuries has just killed his career. He's a bit of a could-have-been champion now, I guess. You know, three yeah. knee reconstructions. Unfortunately, um, despite the, the immense talent that he's got, he just didn't have the footballing um, body uh, to get the job done. That's exactly right. Durability cost him in the end, and I'm with you guys. I thought 2013, he was a fantastic pickup, and I thought he was going to play a few seasons for us of great football. But um, it's just unfortunate, and I, in a way, it's this is going to sound awful, but I'm glad the club made the tough decision that it had to make because it, it could have been easy to sort of keep him on the list, uh, irrespective, just to do the right thing, but. Unfortunately, he had he sort of had to make way, and and it's a bit of a shame for him. And it'll be interesting to see where he where he goes with his career from here if he continues on with football and, and keeps putting himself through the uh, those uh, pain barriers, or whether he uh, decides that maybe you know his footy his body can't handle uh, uh, the AFL or SANFL rigors. I think all Port Adelaide people uh, wish him the best of luck. Um, he, he's a great Absolutely. bloke. A great talent, and yeah, hopefully um, in the future he can continue on his footballing journey and, and really make a name for himself at, at a uh, at a state level, maybe as you said, Rick. 
next player on the list, Cameron Hitchcock, uh, another delistee at the end of this season. He was 24 years old. He played 35 games for Port Adelaide. Um, another who played just the nine SNFL games this year. He averaged 13 disposals and one and a half goals per game. Missed three months uh, with something that really killed his career, really. Uh, another hamstring injury. He missed three months with that mid-year. And it really ruined his season, really. Another who uh, whose body just didn't really seem to hold up to the rigours of playing AFL football week in, week out. Um, he was talented, Hitchcock, but I just didn't... I always just thought he probably just wasn't uh, quite consistent uh, enough. But whether that could do with his body breaking down, it, it seemed that every opportunity... He was, he was the player for me that I thought showed the ugly side to our supporter base at times. Um, in 2012, when we weren't travelling that well and he was getting some games, um, some of the rhetoric he was copying from the sidelines was pretty embarrassing as a supporter. And I thought it was a bit untoward. And for a player that's out there trying their hardest for, for the club, um, it wasn't called for. And I actually saw I saw some positives in Cam. I thought he was a player that actually showed that he's got the skills to play and... And uh, he had that he had that sort of elusiveness to be maybe that sort of forward crummer that we were looking for at the time. But again, as you pointed out, Macker, he was just another one of those players that's going to go down in the history books that just couldn't handle the uh, uh, the impact of AFL football. But uh, hopefully, he uh, he gets a bit more recognition than what he has with the supporters. Yeah, well, I think in four of his last five AFL games, he only lasted a quarter before pinging a hamstring. So. You can't, you just can't make a career out of that. Um, unfortunately for him, as you said, I thought he was he copped a lot of criticism through 2011 and 12, and um, was probably a, a bit lucky to stay on the list as long as he did. Um, but look, I thought he had great talent as well. He was super quick, great goal sense, really good skills. He's a fantastic SANFL player. Make no mistake about that. He's an excellent state level player. Just didn't have the body to get it done um, at the highest level. Agreed. Wholeheartedly there, yeah. Third player that we're going to talk about today is uh, Jackie Homsch, one of the real surprise packets of uh, of 2014 for the Port Adelaide Footy Club. He's a 21-year-old key defender. He played 24 games this year, finished 12th in the best and fairest, averaged 13 disposals and five marks a game. A real breakout season for Jack. He had great form all year and a very, very good final series as well. He's pure class, Homsch. Um, he's 21. That's Insane. that should make every Port Adelaide fan extremely happy. He's going to be um, he's going to be one of the best defenders in the in the competition in the in the next uh, few seasons. Um, his game on Buddy Franklin in the loss against Sydney at Adelaide Oval this year was absolutely brilliant. Honestly, yep. mm. he reads the play so well. Can we um, just throw Jake Need into this conversation for some steak knives as well while we're at it? Absolutely. What are <laughs> but... GWS thinking, honestly? Like... Thanks. Thank you, GWS. I, mean, well, I think Jackie yeah. Homsch wanted to come home, but what are we getting for? Something like pick 35 or something like that, and Jake Need as well. I mean, that's yeah. just one of the deals of the century right there. Absolutely. I mean, what, he was a little bit short. Sometimes we get a bit too obsessed with height in the, the AFL game, don't we? And, yeah. uh, you know, he's, he's still versatile at 193. And, and as you pointed out, Don, he, uh, he played a great game against uh, uh, Buddy Franklin. And, you know, he's been a very versatile defender for us. And he provides a lot of run. 
as well. He does. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He also so, had a great game against Hawthorne, um, against Jack Gunson mid-season as well. I thought he also had a good final against him too, and also against Collingwood. Um, he kept uh, he kept Ben Reed scoreless um, late in the season there as well. I think the thing that I love about him so much is his closing speed. He's surprisingly quick. You don't really notice it sometimes, but you really notice it when he played on Buddy that. You know, Buddy's probably the quickest key forward going around for the last 10 years. And he was keeping up with him um, perfectly fine. I think his spoiling ability is absolutely elite. I think he's a fantastic prospect for the future. And, you know, the thing I also loved about his game was just how um, manfully he battled as the number one key defender when Trengove and Carlisle were out of the side. Absolutely. I mean, him and Jonas tried their hardest. And, and even uh, with them out, our defensive scores against were still pretty low. Yeah, look, it's a future, future's bright for us with uh, Jack Homsch, that's for sure, as long as he keeps working hard. Yep. I'm going to push the uh, Jack Homsch for midfield bandwagon, I think. I'm going to start that one up because I reckon he can right. make an absolutely brilliant midfielder. He's got the size, the strength, the uh, the foot skills. Um, hopefully he would have the endurance as well. Um, I reckon he'd make a really good midfielder. There was a few comparisons to uh, Chad Corns, I thought, during the season by a few posters. So yep. maybe uh, maybe there is some potential there. There is. Get on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next player is uh, Jarman Impey. He was our first-round pick uh, last year, 19 years old. Uh, first season on the list. He played 18 games, uh, won a Rising Star nomination, um, picked up uh, 11 disposals and 2.7 marks a game. I think he really surprised everyone with his form throughout the season. He did, yeah. I mean, um, he had a really good first uh, first uh, season. What I love about him is um, he's just so quick. He's he's that that he's that fast, and he plays such brave footy. I've got I've got here. He plays Port Adelaide football, and um, I think. Uh, Obviously, a bit more c- composure will would be good, but that'll come with with time. But he just he just takes the game on. I think there was footage of Ken talking to him before, maybe one of the showdowns, one of the prem things that we that we 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 filmed, and he just said, "Mate, just go out there and play footy. You know, it's not hard. Just don't don't get too uh, nervous and just go out there and run because no one's going to catch you." <laughs> no, that's right. What were your expectations of his season um, at the start of the year? I didn't. Um, I wasn't too sure how much he'd play. I actually remember thinking of the, of the three that we drafted, that um, Burn Jones looked like one of the one of the classier ones, and that he might get a gig. But Impey blew me away. I was at that Cullen game in round one. I was really excited to see him play then. And obviously, he didn't get picked picked for, for finals, but I think that was the right call in the end. Um, I really am really looking forward to seeing his development as a defender as well. That game on Ballantyne, such a young player on such a um, talented, experienced um, forward was mind-blowing, really. Yeah, I thought he was... Um, I mean, when we drafted him, it was like everybody else. Jarman who? I didn't know um, who Impey was, and we obviously had a plan to bring him in. And I, I thought he was fantastic for us for a first-year player, and his. His first half of the season was a standout for me uh, in relation to the games played and his maturity. He played with maturity beyond his years. Obviously, the uh, the season sort of caught up with him, I guess, towards the end. And uh, we talked about Homsch as a rebounding defender. Jarman Impey uh, was uh, was right up there trying his hardest. Uh, obviously, he couldn't compete with everybody. There's one great 
game player in our team that's the best running defender of them all but uh, he tried to match him as much as he could and you know hats off to him and I think he's going to be better for next year and we're still needing that lockdown defender next year so Jarman hopefully still will be the man. Tommy Jonas is next he's 23 years old uh, played 56 games he played 22 games this season finished 10th in the best and fairest average 15 disposals and five marks a game did some fantastic uh, jobs throughout the year um, including a very very big final series. T Jonas Nation, what an absolute champion! Um, he's been a fan favourite of uh, the of the Port Adelaide faithful for years. He's just such a great young leader. I mean, um, he's as hard as they come, and I hate using cliches, but he's such a port, he's such a Port Adelaide player. You know, um, tough, quick, fantastic. Reads reads the the play beautifully. He's the kind of player that you'd want to play with. You know, you'd walk tall playing with him, and he's still so young. I reckon he epitomises everything about Port Adelaide and he would fit in um, in any era of Port Adelaide football. Um, he would have been an absolute star under Jack Coe, under Choco Williams, under Foss Williams. Just that sort of intense style that he brings to the game. His versatility is fantastic. He can play on anybody, tall or small, as he proved throughout the year. I think he's an absolute gun. Yeah. No, he's he's a great pick. We were talking about rookie picks before, weren't we? He started on the yep. rookie list, didn't he? He sure did. Yeah. I mean, and they're the sort of things as a club as we keep evolving and, and getting better. That's what we need to keep finding. I mean, you know, if you found one of him every year, we'd be laughing, wouldn't we? I mean, he's he's an absolute yep. jet and he's solid. I mean, the only time he looked shaky so far in his whole AFL career was when, uh, obviously, as we spoke about with Homch, the two key defenders uh, missing games. But, you know, I mean, that's... I'm being very very nitpicky. Once they came back, he came back to the Tom Jonas of old, and he loves taking the body. He doesn't mind the physical impact. Uh, he he's you know he's not the what's the word purist uh, in uh, aesthetically kicking a ball or disposal, but he gets the job done. And uh, you know we can't. And when he's on a man, he gets the job done. And I like the fact that we can throw him into the middle uh, to follow someone if we have to, or or chuck him into the primarily in the defensive unit, and he he just gets it done. So uh, you know I'm looking forward to how big he's going to be in 2015, and and what impact he's going to make. He's going to be huge, I reckon. Yep, no doubt about that. He had some massive games this year in round one against Carlton. He shut out Mark Murphy of all players. That shows how versatile he is. And then uh, in the prelim final, I thought he had a great job um, on Luke Bruce, um, t- just to show his uh, his defensive ability in those two games. And then he had those two games against Carlton and Richmond at the end of the season, where as a loose defender, he was just unpassable. He was just marking everything in sight, delivering the ball up forward. Um, he's just such a versatile player and, and a real star. And that's his best role, I reckon, that loose defender. Yep. He just plays Absolutely. it so well. Yep. Spot on. Next player is Matthew Loby, 25-year-old Ruckman. He's played 67 games, played 24 games this season, finished fifth in the best and fairest, averaged 10 disposals, two marks and 31 hit-outs a game. He just worked his butt off all year single-handedly, didn't he? Herculean. Goliath. If any AFL player deserves a rest this offseason, it's Matt Lovey. <laughs> it's Matty yeah, Lovey. He's... Poor fella. In that Gold Coast he... game in the wet, I was exhausted watching him play. I couldn't imagine <laughs> how he felt. 
It was just because there were so many ball ups, boundary throw ins, and we, he, it was it was just him. You know, he must have been yeah. knackered, honestly. I reckon he brought it up before though. You reckon he'd be having nightmares about Aaron Sandlin's, wouldn't he? He'd have to have Sandlin's on his dartboard. I mean, imagine the thought of uh, him having to go up against that guy on his own when uh, Sandy's got back up, you know, resting on the pine and, you know, and as he brought up earlier and he, he took him on and, uh, and, and fought well. So, I mean, his heart's huge. And, yeah, uh, and that's, and that's why he's in the leadership group for our club. He's a, he's a great leader. He, he doesn't, he never complains about it. He just gets the job done. And, uh, you know, and he, look, Les Macker, you pointed out before, and it's something we've been a little bit critical of over the years is probably his marking. Um, Let's see. Hopefully, there might be an improvement with the rest that he might be able to get next year. Look, I think he should improve out of sight again with Paddy Ryder in the team. And look, as you said, his marking is probably the one part of his game that he does need to improve. Everything else is pretty much spot on, I would think. Um, he had some great games this year as well. Obviously, I think the showdown um, in round two he was fantastic. Against Geelong in round six, he was excellent. Um, that Gold Coast game you mentioned, um, Donny, in round 21, he had just a, a stack of hitouts and it was probably our best player that day. Um, and also the elimination final against Richmond, he tore uh, Ivan Marich to pieces. He's uh, as competitive as, uh, as they get. Yeah. Um, just uh, also going back one more season, that Collingwood final last year uh, at the MCG, his last quarter was absolutely fantastic. It was. Yep. Well, I mean, and you could take it back. Was it 2012 when, Sam Jacobs beat him up at Footy Park and everyone was banging yeah. on about, you know, Sam Jacobs got the hit-out record and this isn't a Crows thing, that was just the performance of the individual, um, you know, but everyone was pumping up Sam Jacobs' tyres and, you know, we were probably thinking, well, where's Loby at, you know, getting slaughtered like that and, you know, in two uh, short seasons how he's been able to turn it around and now he's been able to reciprocate those sort of performances on a couple of Ruttman himself, he's... Uh, really uh, putting his name up in the pecking order of Rutman in the AFL competition. He sure is. Tommy Logan, 29 years old, 117 games, just the three AFL games this year. He also played 17 games at SANFL level. He had a huge year at um, SANFL level, playing across half-back and through the midfield. Um, and I thought the three games that he did get at AFL level, he performed pretty well. He's a true club man, Tommy. You know, he'd do anything for us. Um, is, is he contracted for next year? Not yet. I think he's uncontracted at the moment. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I, I'd give it to him, if anything, even just from the fact that he's stuck by the club and he's been on the one-year, the one-year, the one-year contract for so long now. Uh, another year on the list. Like you said, Macker, he did the, he's done his job this year. He's supported the... Uh, the SAFL team uh, magnificently with his performances. He he's never complained. He hasn't done a gorringe and had a sook. He's just taken it on the chin. He knows where he's at with the club, and uh, I think he should be rewarded for that. Yeah, good call. And you know the other thing quickly. Credit to him. 2011. All I remember is including myself. Everyone bagging out on the poor guy. And then it comes to this year, and most people, more than not anyway, are actually saying, why isn't he in the side? So what he's been able to do and turning it around and getting respect of the uh, supporters, uh, hats off to him. Yep. 
Good stuff. Next player on the list, uh, Kane Mitchell, 24 years old, 23 games. Played 10 games this year, finished 25th in the best and fairest. Averaged 14 disposals and 5 tackles a game. I thought he had a first... Uh, Sorry, I thought he had a great first couple of games when he came back into the side this year. Um, but then he slowly went a bit downhill from there. Um, but I guess the good news for Kane is that um, it looks like he'll be upgraded to the senior list for 2015. He's a good sub, Mitchell. Like, I love him when he's playing as the sub because his running ability um, is just... Absolutely, it's, it's it's so hard to stop when when um everyone everyone's tiring and he can come on and give us that uh, extra option. But I just don't think he's good enough at AFL level to compete first twenty two week in week out. No, I think he's a good emergency sort of that you know twenty fifth to twenty sixth. Oh yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. player on your list where if you've got a few injuries, he can come in and and do a good job. Um, I think the worst part about Kane Mitchell's game is that he's got. Uh, Rick, you mentioned just a moment ago Tommy Logan back from 2012. He's got a bit of the Tommy Logans from back then in that um, every game he sort of plays, he's got a, a bit of a memorable error that everyone remembers. That missed tackle versus Sydney, you, you talk about the missed shot versus Essendon in the last minute. Um, they're sort of moments that you remember. Definitely, yeah. Uh, the Sydney one was unforgivable, really. <laughs> it was a poor moment, but... I thought he did play a couple of really good games this year, especially against Fremantle and Hawthorne. Yeah. Um, against two very good opponents, I thought he did a great job. Yeah, look, he's not the worst player to ever play the game, that's for sure. It's just, I mean, if he could fix up those little things, it's uh, his decision-making, I guess, and, and disposal under pressure. Um, you know, he'd, he'd be a very good starting 22 player, but until he uh, uh, fixes those little uh, items up, uh, I guess he just has to keep working for his spot in the side, but um, he probably with it. When you think about it, with the output that he's performed on our on our list now for two years as a rookie, um, he probably deserves uh, the opportunity to be on the senior list. All right, the last player we'll talk about today is uh, Gus Monfries, 27 years old, 191 games, played 17 games this year for 21 goals, finished 19th in our best and fairest. Thought he really struggled to live up to his first season at Port Adelaide in 2013. He struggled for consistency. I think that was largely to do with his injuries, which spoiled his season a fair bit. He could rarely get a run of games going. Um, he had a good start to the season and a fantastic finals series, I thought. But he really struggled mid-year. He did, yeah. I think um, when our when we had that that form slump, he was probably the most notable player there. And um, but. When we needed him to come good, he did. His preliminary final game was, I thought, was absolutely brilliant. Lucky took was as courageous as 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 they get. And for anyone who has called him soft in the past, um, yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a up yours to to them. He's his last quarter, he really stood up for us. You got to yeah. think that the when you talk about his um his form slump, the what's going on at Essen at the moment. I mean, it's it's got to play a part. It. It has to be in your head constantly, you know. Well, did he go in for surgery in the off season? Do you have I hit... think he was one yeah, of the players that hurt, was going in for I'm surgery. Yeah, he was hurt. I'm talking about in general, just the. Yeah, um... no, but I'm just I'm just wondering. I mean, obviously, I agree with you. The Asada stuff would have taken its toll on him mentally, but maybe. Um, he was carrying a bit of an injury as well because, I mean, he'd been coping with the Asada issues quite well until that mid-season slump, which 
was noticeable for all of us. I was actually a bit disappointed with his output as well, thinking maybe he needed to play in the seconds for a little while just to get a bit of confidence up. But um, yeah, so who knows? Maybe the, you know these guys are carrying injury, injuries that we don't know about, and uh, maybe it was affecting his performance more than we uh, more than we realise. But I'm, I'm with you. I thought for all his slump in form, that preliminary final performance made up for it. He was fantastic, yep. and he, he really yeah. gave us. He was a he really gave us an ignition um, a few times during the game, and uh, yeah, respect to him. His best games all came in big games this year. He kicked four goals versus Hawthorne twice. He kicked three goals versus Sydney. Um, he was also great against North Melbourne in round uh, round three, and also against Richmond um, in the elimination final as well. So I think he's certainly a big game player. Um, which follows on from his year last year as well. Um, it's just a matter of him getting his body right. I think he did his hamstring two or three times this season and just couldn't get a, a fair shot at it. Um, I think next year, if he can play the whole season um, and stay fit the whole season, I think he'll be a, a fantastic player next year. Is he one to uh, make your midfield rotations for uh, <laughs> next year as, as well? Me and you. I think he's already been stop. playing a, a fair bit in the midfield yeah. over the last two years. I Definitely, think yeah. I think he suits that sort of high half forward flank um, role pretty well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right, boys. <laughs> well, I think we might leave it there for now. Good work, Donnie. It's been great having you back on, mate. No worries, guys. Did well, mate. Cheers, Rick. As always, buddy. Yes. Yeah, sorry for the uh, technical difficulties, but we got there. These things happen. They do. Sweet. All right, boys. No worries, guys. Have a good one. Calm the pair. Go the Have power. Have a good night. Calm the pair. Woo. Calm the pair. Dog. Step up on the plate, don't it? Every kid in the backyard with the big trees lined up with the footy before mum calls you in for dinner. The shot for goal after the siren to win it. Jared Poulton, your time has come. Drop part. Your time has come. What a win.